Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. everybody thanks for joining us today my name is Kent Swanson this is the AP laboratory it's the mailbag edition we got a lot of questions today first off the bat thank you for all your questions some of them we've we had a lot of repeats this week I just go back and listen to the last three or four episodes a lot of your questions are not not all of them but there's several questions that will get answered uh, if you listen to the last you know few episodes um, but we've got plenty of questions to uh, to answer here today still uh, and here to help me do that first find him on Twitter at chief in Carolina my pal Maddie Lane hello my friend how are you doing today here's your drink superstar I'm doing good I just had to just had to let my boss and my idol know that I was in fact uh-huh. bringing him his favorite coffee this wonderful Monday morning so that I could <laughs> keep my spot on this podcast because I really enjoy it. I don't want to be cut in this cutthroat business. I'm here to stay. I'm sorry, our third buddy Craig Stout. I got a leg up on you when the when the cuts when the hammer comes down, buddy. I already snuck that coffee in there. You're gonna have to find. What did I favorite. become your? What did I become your boss? You became our boss when you started going on TV. And you know what, Maddie. When you get to keep your job and I'm eventually replaced with BJ Kissel, I will understand <laughs> so that he can be third banana since Kent is such a superstar on this podcast here. I will accept oh my, my fate. I will move on. I'll still listen. I will be an active subscriber, but there will be just a just a small hint of resentment there. Will you buy a Casey draft guide? <laughs> oh, yes. I'll still be buying a Casey draft guide. <laughs> Craig, I'm going to be real with you if BJ wanted to come back. See ya. I'm out. <laughs> I'll, I'll, feel like, I'll take it. <laughs> I feel like you'd volunteer as tribute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of the Casey draft guy that Craig would still buy, you can still get it. Uh, you got a week and a half till the, till the draft. Go to gum.co slash Casey draft guide 2020. It's been out for a week. The response has been ridiculous. Thank you guys so much. We are so appreciative of it. Um, but yeah, you can you can still get it. Um, we got 225 write-ups on prospects and how they fit the Chiefs and 70-plus quotes from prospects. It's awesome. Uh, we got several questions today. Uh, we start with one from AP Nerd, from the from someone emailing apnerdsquad at gmail.com. Uh, Andy from Pennsylvania asks, very stoked about re-signing Breland to a deal for only $4.5 million a year. I'm not sure how we could have made a better deal. Washington is an interesting addition to the running back room who has some potential. If he sticks, who ends up being the odd man out since I don't see KC carrying three running backs into the season? Thanks. I, I think he probably meant four because the Chiefs routinely carry three running backs. Um, I, I think that Washington has to show a lot more in pass protection than he has in the past in order to really make this team and have some juice. But if he does that, I think that it's possible that they could either move on from Darwin Thompson. I know that that makes some people cringe right now or Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams has shown more in less time than Darwin Thompson has, even though Darwin has gotten some opportunities. I know they like Darwin. I could see them actually carrying four running backs and just having one inactive every week if they decided they wanted to go and try and keep the talent that's on the, on the roster there. But DeAndre Washington actually is a good complement to Damian Williams. He's got better vision than anybody on the roster already. So he's a guy that I think they might stick with just because of that. Well, look at the recent years, too. The Chiefs running back room 
goes through some lumps. Like this is not a super healthy group, despite being a running back by committee. There's guys that miss time every single year. I believe it was two off seasons ago. Andy Reid talked about that very thing and just how they felt that they were thin at the running back group because as soon as one guy went down, they were super thin and they had another injury and they're signing guys off the street to play real snaps. So I think you most likely do see all four guys. I mean, we did this year. Granted, Damian Williams was hurt for a little bit of it, but you're just essentially replacing LaShawn McCoy with Washington, and it's the same thing. You'll keep one guy inactive, and then the other guy's got to be able to, you know, the last guy, the third guy has to play special teams. But I would imagine all four fighting for playing time. It's your Mike Weber and your Elijah McGuire's that really have to be careful here. Yeah, I think, and I mean, all the, all the things these guys said, but what I do like about this group is that they've really put a lot of competition into that room. And I'll just, I want to just say that blanketly. Like I really do like the fact that there is good competition. That's going to bring the best out of all these guys and the cream will rise to the top. And yeah, there might be a surprise cut here. You know, maybe you see Darwin Thompson on the streets or, you know, released. You might see that you very well could, but I think the, the competition for this group's exceptional. Uh, we got a five-star review question. If you like what we're doing on the show, feel free to slam that subscribe button. Leave us a five-star review. Uh, when people ask questions on the five-star reviews, we try to answer them. Uh, so Volp Games asks, serious question. Can we have a live 2019 condensed season game watchathon with commentary during this quarantine? Uh, maybe we'll try to do something, but I will tell you this. The Chiefs are doing an outstanding job with Relive. Um, it's, it's, it's certain to, it, it'll certain to whet the appetite. Let's just say that they're, they're really doing a good job. They're going game by game. I think they're doing two games a year, a week. Yeah. So you can kind of follow along, kind of get back into that, that mentality that you were against the Colts yeah. when they hurt and all that stuff. So uh, just, uh, just for reference here, and it's not just all the good games. They did Houston this past week and our guy BJ, um, had some serious Phil Gaines slander. He almost went baby Swanson on it on Philip Gaines and how terrible he was playing in that game, like highlighting before the snap and saying this guy's going to get picked on. And yeah, so it's good. It's not just a standard sit down and watch it with those guys. They actually add a little more to it. Yeah, no, they they've done an outstanding job, uh, you know, helping try to kill this 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 uh, COVID downtime. All right, let's jump to the Twitter questions. We got a lot of them. Again, I, uh, apologies for some of the people that maybe asked questions that we've answered in the last few weeks. Um, please please go back and listen. We've got a lot of your questions answered. I promise. Uh, Derek Pershall asks: Is it normal for a Super Bowl champion to re- return the head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator? I feel like that's a huge advantage for the Chiefs' repeat that isn't quite being talked about, especially in this odd off season. It actually happened in 2017 with the Patriots. Bill Belichick, uh, Josh McDaniels, and uh, oh, and I'm I just lost his name. It just left me. Was, uh, Matt, was Matt Patricia? Matt Patricia, gone? Matt Patricia was still there in 2017 after they won it in 2016 after they beat oh, okay. the Falcons. So they they did return all of those guys, but it is pretty rare because most of the time you see these offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators start to get poached by these teams just because if you got a good offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, teams want them. Now, that being said, huge advantage this offseason. Huge, huge, huge advantage this offseason. Rookie head coaches especially are going to be way behind the ball, not being oh my able gosh. to be in the building, not being able to figure out how to be a head coach on the fly in the offseason is going to be ridiculously hard for some of those teams that are doing that. So, yes, the continuity is a major, major plus for the Chiefs. Yeah, and it works just the same for players because you're not having a new defensive coordinator come in, which probably wouldn't come with new verbiage if it's just a defensive coordinator, but they're going to have different changes and different styles. Like all of the players and the chiefs did a great job bringing back essentially the entire roster sans like three guys. So they're all going to be used to the verbiage, the plays, the style of coaching they're getting. So yeah, it's a huge help for the chiefs. I actually interesting. I didn't look through the numbers. Maybe Craig went farther back in 2017. I feel like Super Bowl teams may have a better luck at returning both coordinators and a head coach for the simple fact that it's so late in the process. 
NFL teams don't want to wait until February to hire their next head coach or their next defensive coordinator that often. Whereas like if you're a playoff team that loses three, four weeks before that, that's just a big jump that that team would get hiring you. So I haven't looked at the numbers or anything. I just do wonder about that. And I think that's something that might have helped up Eric Bieniemy this time around too a little bit. Teams had to wait to get him into interview and to hire him because he was still coaching football longer than anybody else. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if, if COVID kind of affected how the Chiefs approach this offseason. We're going to find out, I'm sure, someday later. But this team is ready to hit the, the ground running and dominate uh, early on with all the continuity that they have, both sides of the football and the coaching staff altogether. KC2429, are there any free agents available that you would like to see in KC post-draft? The Chiefs were rumored to have interest in Mike Daniels before he ended up in Detroit last year. Would like to see the Chiefs continue to the trend of signing one-year deals if they come relatively cheap. Don't dislike the concept of bringing in Mike Daniels. I don't didn't see enough Detroit football last year to say if he was good or bad. I don't think he was anything special. I think he's clearly on the downtrend of his career. But you get him cheap, bring him in. One move that I think, like the one move left, I think helps make the Chiefs a much better football team. Cut LDT post June first. Get that almost seven million dollars in cap space. Sign an Everson Griffin or a Logan Ryan to a two year deal. You have that first year cap. It's going to be about six to seven million dollars that you just saved from cutting LDT. Get one of those two guys. I understand that you know it might just sound like signing a big name, but they're good football players at positions that could actually make the Chiefs a better football team right now. I think introducing only one new player this year could be worth it. So I'd love to see them do something along those lines. I just don't expect them to. Yeah, I wouldn't really expect them to either until they sign Snacks Harrison and reunite him with Steve Spagnolo just because Snacks really wants another ring. I like how we asked, he asked for like maybe, you know, uh, one guy and Maddie gives him two. Like he just really, and he takes the two best. I was going to say Logan Ryan. I mean, just take Logan Ryan that gives you a little bit more flexibility in the draft to take a development Please don't let me go. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. Okay, so I left one of the questions in here that was referring to the superstar thing just to kind of like play into it. And now like I'm regretting that because we're going to get to it later and I'm just whatever. Uh, I love this bit. Love it. (laughs) Craig just likes that we're not Renaissance. Don't know what you're talking about. I love this bit. (laughs) Make sure everyone (laughs) for the superstar sake. Why don't everyone go and and comment and call Craig the Renaissance Man this week, please? Please help me here because Craig is getting off the hook right now. Kenny with the YYK asks, if Spags gets a head coaching gig after we repeat Love the Swag, do you think our next DC defensive coordinator will be upset we have so many Spags-specific players? I actually don't because our next defensive coordinator is going to be Brendan Daly. So I I think he's going to be just fine with the versatility on the defensive line that they're going to have. The linebacker approach may be a little bit different, but I don't think Brendan Daly is going to make sweeping changes with what Spagnuolo's got. Um, Matty had talked about it a little while on Twitter, and I'm not sure if that was on a Zoom or a podcast, but uh, there were some Bill Belichick notes for scouting players and building a defense. And it was on the Moves the Sticks podcast. They went over the defensive, you know, kind of line by line there. And guys, it's very similar to what Steve Spagnuolo has built in Kansas City just in the one year. That's the tree that Brendan Daly came from. So I don't imagine that there's going to be drastic changes. A couple trade-related questions I'll answer real quick. Seadrift24, it's so hard to say without knowing the board, but say the Chiefs do trade back. What team do you feel most likely jumps to that spot? And what picks are we getting from them? Um, It's going to be hard to really pin down the team. I mean, I believe last year the Atlanta Falcons traded to pick 32 to draft Caleb McGarry. That came out of nowhere. And I think that you gotta you gotta understand the the situation is gonna change pretty drastically here, you know, on Thursday. There's gonna be a lot of trades. There's gonna be new assets acquired that teams are gonna have more flexibility. Um, you could see a treat maybe a team trades back and all of a sudden they have assets they want to move into pick 32. That there's a lot of there's a lot of dynamics still at play. So I don't think this is really capable. I don't really think anybody's really capable of pinning down who could. 
But I think there will be a market. I think that's the most important thing here is there probably will be a market for pick 32. It's just a matter of if the Chiefs feel comfortable or want to do it. Uh, And here's another question. Sandman59, what sort of compensation makes sense for the Chiefs to trade down out of the 32nd pick? Well, there's there's a couple scenarios. If you're if you're trading out of you know pick 36, 37, 38, you're getting an early fourth pick, fourth round pick in return. That's about the equal equal value. Just so you know, the, there's a lot of trade charts out out there. Draft Tech has great draft charts. I use the Rich Hill trade trade chart. Takes into consideration the context of of trades that have actually happened and using that math based on those trades to kind of create their chart. And it's fantastic. Um, I use that. So if, if it's like the early 30s that the Chiefs are trading, you're probably getting a fourth round pick. If it's, let's say, like the 40s, 45, 46, 44, you're getting uh, someone's third round pick. So it just depends. Like there's there's a couple ways that you could go. Um, I think either makes sense. If the Chiefs are looking to move back, getting another top 75 asset would be very interesting to me. Very interesting to me. I'm sure Maddie's rolling his eyes at me right now. Laytony44 asks, since we are all starstruck about... there's the Here's the question. <laughs> I left it in. <sighs> Laytony44. Since we are all starstruck about Ken's recent celebrity status... Who is the Chiefs legend that you all would be the most starstruck to meet? Uh, you mean other than Kent Swanson? Oh, my... Is that... Is that oh, okay. <laughs> um... I have been fortunate to meet a few people, but I have not gotten to meet Derek Johnson. He's one of my favorite players. Love the linebacker position. Love DJ. Would love to meet him someday. Well, since we are all starstruck about TV's own Kent Swanson, the Chiefs player that I would be, or legend that I would be most starstruck meeting would be Andy Reid, I think. I think it would be Andy Reid. There's some players in there, and they would be nice. I think most of the players that I'm favorites of, that I'm kind of huge fans of, seem like relatively down-to-earth people. They would probably handle it pretty well. Not that Andy Reid won it. It's just Andy Reid's been through so much, I wouldn't even know how to go about approaching him. And it's kind of how I feel when I see Kent Swanson on these Google chats. Now, like, I have to wait for him to ask something from me because I just don't know what to interject into just his stardom. Maddie, you're on the chopping block. <laughs> because I wanted to talk about Andy, too. <laughs> Look, and this is like, I, I just be geeked out because like, and this is this is weird. I just love what he, I love what he draws up. <laughs> And like, I come at it from like a very nerdy perspective where I just like, I have such immense respect for his mind. I just want to like sit and talk with him for 30. I I could talk to him for like, I could sit there for eight hours and not be bored. I promise you. If he wanted to talk ball and talk about the screen game, I could sit there and listen to him talk for eight hours. I legitimately could. I would seriously ask him for every recipe in his phone. That too. Yeah. Uh, at 4Vert's got the mac and cheese recipe. Yeah, I know. I think Pete tried it on the YouTube channel and it sounded phenomenal. It sounded phenomenal. Josh Zilstra asked, Breland speaks more likely to be cut or have a breakout season? Well, speaking of getting Andy Reid's recipes, oh, Breland no. speaks <laughs> is likely more likely is very much more likely to be cut than to have a breakout year because he is right now probably stuck inside like the rest of us. The last time I think anybody had gotten eyes on Breland Speaks, he was not looking like a guy ready to break out in the NFL level. And I just, I would not have high hopes that it's going to come this year after months now coming off of an injury, suspension, and now being stuck inside that he is going to be ready to have a huge breakout season. I think it's going to come down to Colin Saunders or Breland Speaks. And Steve Spagnuolo had a say in drafting Colin Saunders. I think that Breland Speaks' best move is inside. I think they're going to give him the chance to earn his spot on this team through training camp. But they re-signed Mike Pinnell, guys. They, they, whoever weighs more is out. Whoever is out. You're trying to tell me is out. No, uh, <laughs> but I think it's between Colin and Breland, and I think that wow. Colin might have a little more upside. I uh, I'm really offended right now that it, you think it's down to Colin and Breland speaks because there's no contest there. I, Breland I'm, speaks. 
Breland Speaks is more likely to be cut. And it's not close. This is like this is like Chiefs versus Denver this year. Odds. I'm just telling you. Now, let me clarify here real quick. When we say breakout season, I'm thinking like seven and a half plus sacks playing 40, 50% of the snaps. Like there is obviously, I think, a better chance that Breland Speaks becomes a somewhat useful rotational player if he switches a defensive tackle. Like I would take those odds. But as far as breakout season, like I'm thinking a good year, I'm definitely taking cut over having a good season. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to clarify yes. for when, you know, he has three sacks and stays on the roster and somebody gets mad at us. It's that you're not <laughs> saying he can't do that. We are simply just saying to have a breakout year be cut. I think we're all predicting cut. Uh, Graver Tanner asks, is Cam Dantzler back in play? If so, what's the earliest you'd take him? And I, okay. Anyways, go, go Maddie. Well, I don't think he was ever out of play necessarily. Like if he was in play before, he was always still in play. I don't think that you could watch him run a 40 time and be like, oh, that four, 600, like he doesn't play that slow. He also doesn't play at a four, three, eight speed or whatever his pro day said. Like, I don't think those numbers change anything in terms of if you're in or out. I just think they change where you take him. I still don't think you can take him before the end of day two it's like at the end of round three would be the earliest i think anybody's going to take that gamble yeah uh lance Eline, who writes for nfl.com does their draft stuff actually posted something on twitter yesterday that said that every team that he talks to just completely disregards pro days i mean they, they don't use that information right now because they don't have anybody there to verify that the distance that they're running is correct or that, you know, the cones are the right distance apart or anything like that. I mean, you can fudge a pro day if you're having to do it by yourself. Guys, my my guy, Luke Barku, if you take his pro day numbers, <laughs> he is a tier one C-bat. Guys, I like Luke Barku. He's nowhere remotely close to a tier one C-bat. And yet his testing numbers say that he is. That's not the case. So take all of this pro day stuff with a giant grain of salt. Cam Dantzler did not run a 4-3-8. No. I'm just here to tell you, I like Cam Dantzler. Mm-hmm. I do. Big Cam fan. Really enjoyed watching him play football. That had 4-6 written all over it. Still, my guy did not get better. It was not good. And I I digress. We're going to take a break. (laughs) We'll be back with more of your questions right after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're continuing on our questions from Twitter. Chiefs Channel Chiefs Channel asks, you are Brett Veach. A team offers you their 2021 first rounder in exchange for pick 32. 
in 2020. Through your powers of clairvoyance, you know that the 2021 pick will become the 15th overall. Do you accept? Why or why not? I do not. Uh, it takes a little while for rookies to get into, you know, Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo's rotation unless you're a Juan Thornhill type. And at 32, you're probably getting a guy that needs a little bit of work. I would take that guy, have him ready the next year. Now, 15th overall sounds good right now, but I, if it's 15th overall in this draft, you don't know if you're getting a guy that you want even in this draft. So trying to project that a year ahead is just rough, even though it's probably Jabril Cox, and I would love to have him. In the uh, first yeah, round? Sure, why not? Woo! That's a very Got early it. 21 take. Sorry. Uh, anyways, nah, continue. Give me the Penn State you. linebacker. I, no, I'm blanking on his name, but give me the Penn State linebacker for doing linebacker <laughs> takes for 2021. Um, that said, no, I'm not taking this. You, you have to give me something else. Like I got to recoup something that I can use this year because in reality, most draft picks outside of the top five should be considered for the following season. Like you should not have the expectation for most picks to become in and be instant, you know, guys that make a big impact in year one. So I'm trading away my one chance to get that impact starting next year to get an impact player for 2022. Like if you're just pushing everything down, I understand that you move up 17 picks here, 18 picks, whatever it is, but no, that's not for me. I'm not all about that. I want my pick 32. Now, if you want to give me next year's first and this year's third, then we'll think about it because then I get to use something this year too. But like without getting to use anything this year, it's just not worth it. Yeah, that's what I was going to... If you do the draft math on that too, typically you you charge a, a round. You charge one round for taking, you know, for getting future assets. So the 32nd pick... Uh, or if you're if you're trading, you know, a first round pick, you're basically trading the second round pick. So you're you're it's a diminished asset. Now let me ask you real quick across the board. I I agree with all you. Let's say it's uh, a 2021 first round pick and the 70th pick in the draft. Are you taking it, Craig? Ooh, yeah, I'd do that. Maddie, 70th pick this year? Yeah. Yeah. No, I already said I would do that okay. with the third round pick in that. Yeah, something. Like Something around there, I'd do it. Uh, Ridiculous 2006 asks, you guys listed approximately 73 running backs that would be medium or high fits for the Chiefs. I know you guys haven't done the guide for long, but do you think those numbers would be consistent with previous years, or is this year different? Um, I mean, I I typically... I don't want to say it's hard to get a low fit for me, but I don't have like a ton of low fits at the running back position because I was a primary grader for that. I mean, I think there are definitely some things that, you know, disqualify you if you're, I mean, I don't think JJ, I think JJ Taylor got a low fit for me because he's, he's a, a niche player. He's low to the ground. Maddie, <laughs> Maddie, I, he's a niche player. That's probably not going to play on special teams that can't pass protect. So like there's, there's some qualifiers for me with the low fits and I don't think there's a ton of them, but I mean, if you fit in those criteria, I, I typically will give guys some grace on medium fits because I don't think the Chiefs are super stingy on it. I think there's just there's got to be a clear path to being able to play special teams and being able to protect uh, that typically falls into it. Maybe some guys that probably look work best in gap power schemes. But even then, I typically give those guys medium fits. Uh, Iowa Cardinals fan asks... Michael Pittman or Chase Claypool? Best big, bo- big body receiver for the Chiefs, Matty. I think Michael Pittman Jr. is just a better wide receiver. He's more nuanced in this routes. I think he wins at all three levels in a lot better way than Chase Claypool. Like Claypool was solid down at the senior bowl and he had a great combine given the size. But like when you watch him play, it's essentially he's blocking, he's running a box out route, or he's running a nine route and just trying to win at the catch point. Michael Pittman can do all those same things and so much more. Like I don't think that one's particularly close. Chase Claypool's more like a useful version of Ricky Seals Jones to me. <laughs> oh <Yeah>. baby. <laughs> it's fast, fast Ricky Seals Jones. Things are getting I, saucy on Easter night. <laughs> I I agree with Maddie there, even though Michael Pittman Jr. looked awful at the senior bowl. Like we got to see him in person and he looked awful against bad. It was not corners. great. It was not <laughs> good. He struggled to beat some of these awful, awful corners. So I I, don't, I would prefer neither, honestly. I don't think wow. the Chiefs would would go out of their way to try and add 
one of these two big body receivers. I uh, I am I watched Michael Pittman this week a little bit more. I am I'm kind of in on Michael Pittman a little bit, and it's not even close between him and Chase Claypool. Michael Pittman is a very good route runner for a big guy. I've got this thing right now where I'm kind of, of afraid of bigger receivers, but like Michael Pittman actually separates, and he was flipping dudes, he was flipping cornerbacks around consistently uh, down the field. It was art, and like my guy was snapping some routes at the top of his stem. It was, it was beautiful. It is a lot better than I thought. Even and I, I mean I had a decent opinion of him. I have a very strong opinion. Someone takes him top fifty, no qualms whatsoever. Jayhawk eleven oh eight asks, assuming Mahomes and Jones are extended this offseason, if there any is there any way KC can extend Charvarius Ward? If not, do we double up on corner in this year's draft? Sure, there's a way that they can extend him. They can you know basically keep a lot of his current his current structure in place there he they'd just be adding a small little signing bonus there i don't expect that charvarius ward is going to make a lot of money he's not going to be a you know 11 12 million dollar guy especially when you look around the league right now and see what the cornerbacks are getting paid i mean guys it these second tier third tier cornerbacks down are the guys that are getting paid just pennies by comparison there. So unless you're a stud and have been a stud for a long time, you're not getting that amount of money. So they could extend him there. Now, that being said, I think this is the year that they'd have to do it. I don't think they're going to wait until next year because I do expect them to draft a corner. Even if they kept Charvarius Ward, I think that they would need to double dip because they just don't have a whole lot of bodies at the position. You know, they're signing these guys to one year deals. They're just really not have they don't have a whole lot of talent in that room as it stands right now. They've obviously got the guys to run it back and do it all over again, but it's not long term. So go out of your way, double dip anyway, and try and just keep the talent flowing through that room. I think Ward's at the point where unless they're seeing something in practice that you don't see in the game, like on the film a week in and week out, you just need to give him another year. Like you need to have him show a little bit more consistency before you're trying to lock him up long term, I think. And like I said, that can be different if during practice he's locked down all day, every day against this this offense, then sure, things change a little bit. But based on just what you've seen on the field, I think it's just too inconsistent to try to lock him up early he would be smart to ask for, you know, a little bit more money than they would probably want to sign right away. It just, it seems like it would be a lengthy process that just doesn't need to happen right now, especially given the uncertainty of the team going forward. I think you would just play him out, let him write out his contract, keep him on the price he is, and just attack that later on once you have a better sense of what the roster looks like in 2021. Yeah, he really did not end the year strong. I mean, he was not, he had a rough playoffs. He really did. I and mean, he's still a young guy. He's still got a lot of reps to get. But um, the, the thing you got to consider here with Charvarius Ward is he's a restricted free agent in 2021. So the Chiefs basically have him under control pretty cheap for the next two seasons. Like they could, I think they could put a round one tender on him, which I think the Saints did for Taysom Hill. It was, what, 4 or $5 million dollars? So I mean, you're looking at he's 750 this year. He's, you know, I think you can only do that after after this season anyway. It's got to be after year three, I believe. So you could, you know, you could maybe negotiate a little bit, but I mean, I, they, yes, they could extend him after this season, I believe. But I just, he, just, just let him play through the restricted free agent tender and just see where you're at for with him because I think he's replaceable. I think he's a. Re- I mean, he's he's done solid and like you should like I I don't want to be perceived as dunking on Charvarius Ward because I mean what he's been able to do as an undrafted free agent is really impressive it really is and he was a he's starting un- corner for a Super Bowl team I mean and he, yeah and he and he's earned the opportunity to start next year undoubtedly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I I think I do think we have in Kansas City a little bit inflated perception of him like go back and just watch like you have game pass till May 31st just watch watch the playoffs just watch the playoffs. Uh, Wichita Chief Sam asks, as of April 12th, 2020, who would be your best case scenario and your worst case scenario at pick 32? Guys, I know we did, I think we did best case scenario last week. Let's go ahead. No duplicate answers. I'll go last. Okay. Let Craig go first. Okay. Maddie, you're going second because you've been slamming on the superstar. 
Um, <laughs> uh, no duplicates, best and worst. Go. Okay. Mine are related. Uh, best case scenario, TCU's Jeff Gladney. Jeff Gladney it. can come play on my team. I love the way that man plays football. I Just right before we recorded this, I was watching some All-22 of Jeff Gladney, and my goodness, he talks even more non... Just... He's such a trash talker, and he does it with everybody. It does not matter who it is. He was just all up in Denzel Mims's face, who is way bigger than he is. Anyway, I would love to add Jeff Gladney. And worst case scenario would be Jeff Gladney being on the board and the Chiefs passing on him. I will be irate. <laughs> you will never hear the end of it from me. He is a Spags corner. He's an everybody corner, but he plays with the attitude that Spags likes. I would just be furious if they passed on him. So can I go ahead and put Patrick Queen as the best case scenario? Sure. Yeah. Is that a repeat from before? Okay, so uh, Patrick Queen, because he's like a top 15 player in this draft class, and if he's sitting there at 32, you take him and put him at arguably your biggest hole on the team. I think that's a uh, now move and a future move and best player available move. Worst case scenario at 32, can I just say any running back that has ever existed in the history of the NFL, or do I have to pick a specific one, Kent? No, go for it. That's fine, because I have another answer. Uh, That's it. Okay, for me, uh, best case, Christian Fulton out of LSU. Uh, I think he's a top 20 player in this class. I think he's up there with Gladney. Um, God, he's just, he's, I think I, he's just, he's so patient. And he does, like, he's, he, he's so patient. He's got good feet, good ball skills, competitive. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of his. Worst case is any interior offensive lineman not named Cesar Ruiz. Any anybody not named Caesar Ruiz, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to be thrilled with. Uh, I can understand a tackle to guard convert, maybe, but any interior offensive lineman not named Caesar Ruiz. Nate CH32. At this point, do you think Casey focuses more on the draft to fill holes in 2020, linebacker, cornerback, guard, or build a draft straight for 2021 to replace guys like Fisher, Watkins, Breland? I think it's, I mean, like anything else, it's going to be a mixture of both. I do think they are trying to, they're going to transition. Some of these draft picks are going to be not necessarily to replace specific guys on the roster, but they're going to start targeting positions of high value, like tackle, like corner, like wide receiver for 2021. I do think they plan on trying to come out of this draft with at least one player, probably in the top three picks. So by pick 96, at least one Maybe another guy on day three they think helps this year, like right now. I don't think they're going to just sell out for 2021. They are going to try to get a relatively early draft pick that can come in and help the team this year and make a big impact. I'm just not sold that it's going to be a linebacker, corner, or guard. I think they very well might pick a running back or a safety or just somebody that they see could make the biggest impact splash right away for this season, but then focus most of their other efforts on 2021. I'd agree with that, just with the exception of the Chiefs need a will. Uh, They don't have a will (laughs) uh, at all. That's like everybody keeps talking about how, hey, all the holes are filled. It's like, guys, like one of the more important positions that the Chiefs were lacking last year, they still need and they haven't signed anybody. It's not like they even have anybody for that slot right now. So go ahead, fill that. But yeah, I'm with Maddie there. You're going to see this mixture and I think that you're going to see Maybe some guys that fall that have the right value. You might see the Chiefs, you know, bypassing some guys that can help now just with the future in mind a little more. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl with Damian Wilson. Uh, Craig. <laughs> Good one, TV star. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I think the answer, I think they can do both. I think they can do both. I think Maddie kind of alluded to it. I think they can do both. I think, you know, I think they feel pretty good about what they have. They got 20 of the 22 starters in the Super Bowl back. And the two starters are what? Steven Wisniewski and Kendall Fuller. They got Juan Thornhill to replace him. I think the depth is going to be challenged in this football team a little bit. That's where I'm mostly concerned, but I think they can do a little bit of both. I think they can I think they can I think they can address cornerback qu- is a short and long-term need. Reggie Ragland slander, Kent. You're just forgetting about my son like that. I love Reggie. I love Reggie, too. Best of luck in Detroit. Are we forgetting about Terrell Suggs? 
And we're forgetting about Terrell Suggs. My goodness. Yeah, we are forgetting about Terrell Suggs. What about Blake Bell starting tight end too? He did have that one catch on that little... I gotta, I gotta, I gotta dig on that little concept that they do there. I'm fascinated by it. And uh, never mind. I, I'll talk to you guys off, off air on this. I saw. I'm trying to remember who I saw do it. Anyways, uh, wasted motion asked the ringer mocked Terrell Lewis to the Chiefs. That's a name I have not seen in on the, any other mock. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, we'll, we'll give a little, little nugget here. Why not? We try. We don't really give too many nuggets out on this show. The medicals, I think, on Terrell Lewis and some of the backstory of Terrell Lewis and his injury history is scary. I will leave it at that. There are report, there's not reports. There is some buzz about his amount of practice time. I'll just leave it at that. That are jarring because of the medicals. I am terrified of Terrell Lewis. If the cheese took... I'm changing my answer. If the cheese take Terrell Lewis at 32, I'm going to I'm going to lose it. Fits all the Spags criteria. One of 13 defensive ends. I know. Spags criteria. I'm scared to death based on what I've heard of Terrell Lewis. I don't think that he is a Spags defensive end. Like, he fits the criteria. I just don't think he... He's fit somebody's not. He Sorry. doesn't play like the, what they look for. So, yeah, no, I mean, I would assume you're safe, especially with Ugh. the medical questions. Although, like, if, you know, he dropped Tano from time to time, Terrell Lewis could run circles around Tano. Not that I want him to. I don't want him. To, I don't want him anywhere near my football team. I'll just, I'll leave it at that. Uh, Horton Connor asks, Patrick Raquin Cesar Ruiz at 32, Ashton Davis at 63, Amik Robinson at 96. How happy are you if that is the first three picks in the Chiefs draft? Well, see, here's the tricky part. You named like two, three of my favorite players in this draft with Patrick Queen, Cesar Ruiz, and then Amik Robertson. So like, this is a draft full of guys that I love. I just don't know if I could find a use for Ashton Davis and Amik Robertson at the same time. And I love them, but neither one are going to play outside corner. They're both going to play a little bit of slot corner opposite of Tyron Matthew and kind of box safety, you know, modern strong safety where you're not really playing the run quite as much. You're just mostly a second slot defender underneath hook zone guy. And I think either one would be very good in that role. Either one is going to be versatile enough to change with Tyron Matthew or Juan Thornhill post-snap. I just getting both of them only makes sense if you're moving on from Dan Sorensen. I just don't think that's going to happen right now. So I think just one of them would need to be flipped to an offensive weapon or a cornerback, and then we'd be rolling because I just like all the players. I just don't know how the fit would work with both of those guys together. I'm, I would just like to point out that uh, Matty called Meek Robertson a safety there. He said that he would like to flip one of them <laughs> with a cornerback. No, but I fully agree with that. It, we have talked about it a little bit in our DMs a little bit about how Amik Robertson does fit this team as a safety. Like that's where he fits because of how they how Steve Spagnolo uses his slots, uses his safeties. We see a lot of mock drafts from you guys. We see a lot of them with corners, Amik, and a safety. And frankly, it's just overlapping way too much there. Amik Robertson is a safety for Spag. So if you are drafting a safety in your in your mock drafts, you don't need to draft Amik or you can wait and draft Amik as a safety later. I was trying to leave. I, I was trying to give Maddie an opportunity to grandstand about Ashton Davis because that's really been hot on his, yes. on his trot lately. So that's why I wanted to try to give you an opportunity there. Uh, but you, he's you like me Juan, down. he's Juan Thornhill light. He's he's a good football player that I don't quite see some people that have a safety want. I don't see that, but I see a guy that can play man coverage. I see a guy that can play deep. He's got issues as a tackler, but he's willing. Like he's a good football player. I just don't know if he's on the Grant Delpit, Antoine Winfield, Xavier McKinney level to me. So I think Ashton Davis is sixty three. Good value, not a super steal, but a completely fine pick. I mean, I wish he played with a little bit more control. That's personally it's just wild. Me. That's just me. I just, I that that was really my one of my concerns with him. He just flies all over the place, but like, I don't know about his eye discipline. All right. Anyways, time. Tom Childs asks, "Would you rather uh, the season start on time?" 
but is played in front of empty stadiums or a much shorter season that starts later, but in front of full stadiums. I would rather a full season with empty stands 10 out of 10 times. And I know some people may prefer shorter, shorter stints with, with fans in the stands, but I mean, for me too, like a lot of my ability to go to Arrowhead or go to stadiums has been restricted significantly over the last couple of years. It's a quality product to watch the game at home. I want to watch 16 weeks of football instead of 10, 10 times out of 10. I want my football. Give me my football. Give it to me in September. I'll be more than happy even if the stands are empty. I want what the NFL players want. If they don't feel comfortable, I want them out there. Like if they feel like they're going to get sick. If it's like the NBA where they don't feel good about it, nah, skip it. Like push it back until everybody's comfortable. I don't, I don't want to extend this out and make this a lost season. You know, I don't want to start early in front of empty stadiums, have a bunch of players get sick and then have to cancel the season again. I would rather try and clear this thing out a little more, make it a little easier for everybody. I mean, if we're taking the medicals into concern. <laughs> yes, just, yes. We're taking the hypothet- <laughs> I was just looking at it strictly as empty stands <laughs> versus not empty stands. Thanks a lot, Craig. Jeff Muir asks, the guide has Quintez Cephas as a low fit due to lack of athleticism, but given Hill and Hardman are both locked in for a few years, could he actually be a good complimentary fit next to those two? Can he replace Watkins outside as the X in 21, given the speed we have everywhere else? Yeah, I think the, with the draft guide, the concept of low fit for Quintez Cephas was just coming off the back of the combine where he just ran essentially a time for a wide receiver that says you can't play in the NFL, see Laquan Treadwell, see Ricky Seals-Jones, so on and so forth. Wow. Like that's just kind of... <laughs> That's just kind of what that said, and that's where the low fit came from. I think you saw him clean that up at the pro day, and it's just one of those things that I do think he profiles really well as an ex-wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs as a replacement for Sammy Watkins in 2021. I know you can look at the Chiefs' kind of recent investment in wide receivers, and especially including Sammy Watkins because it kind of skews it because he is a you know 4-4 kind of guy, but he's still got solid size. He is still an ex-wide receiver in this offense. Andy Reid always has a possession X wide receiver type on the field. He does not play without one. Yes, Jeremy Macklin was kind of one for the Eagles, and he drafted him and Deshaun Jackson together, and neither guy are big, but they always had somebody like a Jason Avant to go with them. There's always going to be a little bit of size with the ability to work the middle of the field. Quintess Cephas does that as good as anybody in this draft class besides C.D. Lamb. Can't can't let that one go. But he's like one of the next best guys there. So yeah, he's a great fit as an X wide receiver. I just think we kind of got ahead of ourselves looking at the Chiefs' recent trends of speed over anything else at receiver and kind of didn't look too deep into where the X wide receiver would be. Brent Jacobson asks a look back question. If we beat the Patriots in the AFC championship game and went to the Super Bowl the year before, would Bob Sutton still be the defensive coordinator? I have stated that multiple times, yes. And I would be much I mean, I would have been happy that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl because they would have if they were in that Super Bowl. But last year would have sucked a lot. They would not have been a good football team or as good of a football team last year with Mahomes' injury, having to tough through some of that stuff. Bob Sutton's not toughening that team up. You don't get Frank Clark. You don't get Tyron Matthew. I, I just... It would have been a completely different thing. And frankly, I am very happy to have Spags on this team. It's got a little sad, honestly. Uh, Techno Brad asks, I've read that the UDFA class is going to be a lot different this year due to teams not being able to meet with players and investigating issues. The same amount of players will be taken in the draft as always. Can you explain how things will be different? I think it's going to be chaos trying to organize your UDFA process because you've got a lot of moving in pieces parts with you know teams trying to contact players, players being trying to trying to get, you know, the deal closed on them with maybe a head coach or a GM. You've got the GM trying to navigate and handle all these player pools and all that stuff because they've got budget, you know, to handle all these things. Um, but also uh, the UDFA classes could be interesting because there is some incomplete information on players and maybe a guy that would have been drafted typically if the whole, you know, outlook would have been able to be given to them about the player with, you know, the medical rechecks and all that stuff. If all that stuff had been done, maybe there's a chance that these guys wind up getting taken. There's more clarity on the situation. So there might be some guys that teams are just flat out scared on. And now they become UDFAs and things get a little bit more flexible there and negotiations start a little differently. Alex Buhay asks, 
Uh, which cornerbacks could you, would you be comfortable with the Chiefs taking at 32? Well, Jeff Okuda, C.J. Henderson, uh, Jeff Gladney, Christian Fulton, A.J. Terrell, Jalen Johnson, and that's pretty much it, guys. I think, unless I'm missing a guy, you guys got one no, that you can you're think good. of? Yeah, you're good. I think, I think that's about the cutoff at 32 for me. Matty? Yeah, the only guy, the only other guy I think that gets mentioned there is Noah Igbo. Igbenogany? Yep, that one. I've been working on so, that uh, one. He's mentioned there a lot. I think that he's just a little bit more developmental than I would care for at 32. And even more so, I think he's developmental for a man coverage scheme, yep. not for a zone coverage scheme. Mm-hmm. Like, I like his feet. I like his fluidity in his hips. He just has no sense of zone awareness. His eyes during his route travel very much get stuck to his man. He doesn't play the quarterback man, the ball all very well. Just He's a man cover developmental corner. I wouldn't do that at 32. Uh, Baron Von Snark asks, what is Darwin Thompson's future? Thought maybe this would be the year, but brought back Williams and signed Washington. Maybe just give a prediction on Darwin because we kind of talked a little bit about him with DeAndre. I mean, I just simply put, Darwin Thompson is going to compete for DeAndre Washington. I think for the snaps, those two guys are probably the most similar in terms of skill set beyond Damian Williams. Like Daryl Williams does his own thing. He is his own player. He's in there for receiving and his ability as a pass protector. Darwin Thompson, DeAndre Washington compete against each other. I'm going to give the edge to Darwin because they did draft him. His contact balance is amazing and I do think he flashes some really good stuff. So does Washington, but I'm going to give Darwin with that year of experience the slight nod over Washington right now. All right, BTNKC asks, how are you preparing for the weirdness that will be a virtual NFL draft? I'm going to be, really, be honest with you. I don't know how much it's going to change for me. I really like I'm going to miss the crowd reactions on some of the surprising stuff, but like I'm so locked in with everything because this is like the culmination of literally six months of work. I'm so locked in. Like I enjoy every freaking second of that. I promise you it's the, it's some of the most, it's the most enjoyable weekend. One of the most enjoyable weekends. We call it draft miss for crying out loud. So the virtual draft, I don't think it's going to mess with me all that much. Honestly, um, but I do think it's probably going to be less appealing for maybe some people that are a little bit more casual with it. It's going to be less appealing for me because I typically get to get together with these guys and oh, we, won't, we won't be doing that. And that's, that's going to suck a little bit. So Craig, why'd you have to go there? Right. So now, I've been, I've been preparing by stocking my liquor cabinet and getting ready for that <laughs> night because yeah, I'll just be sitting here. You know, on Twitter with you guys and enjoying a couple beverages. So, yeah. Well, the good news, Craig, is we have Zoom and we have Google Hangouts. So, we can just hang out with each other virtually in this way we we don't get sick. And we get to be blessed and not have the paparazzi follow around the superstar. We get to be in the comfort of our own homes without the flashing lights, the big crowds. It is probably a little bit of a bonus this is happening for us because I don't know if I'm ready for that level of just media access to my life. Can you imagine trying to get together with Kent Swanson right now and having to part all of the people outside of his house? Oh, no, I'm, over here, I'm looking at his calendar. I mean, he is booked through August 13th, but he might be able to pencil you in for a phone call. Okay, that that's gonna <laughs> do it for this. That's gonna do it for this week's episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're gonna shut these guys up. Catch you later.